Pylons for Pylons is a look back at the almost forgotten beginnings of flag football. This occasional series intends to take a walk down memory lane and talk with the players, coaches and administrators involved in flag football's formative years. Hello and welcome to Jumpers for Pylons on 1st and 15. For those that don't know, Jumpers for Pylons is our equivalent of the History Channel. In today's show, we'll be talking to Martin Brown of the Fen Harriers and Martin Gwillem of the Leicester Eagles. The Martins are founder members of their respective teams and were on the first to play this iteration of flag football in the UK. They both started last century to give you an indication how long ago this was and played the 9-on-9 version of the game, which included blocking and a real offensive line and defensive line. I'm Andrew Gambrell and your host for today's show, and in the spirit of full disclosure, I was also a teammate of Martin Gwillems at the Leicester Eagles. And so without further ado, this is Jumpers for Pylons and we're talking the history of flag football. Specifically, the English Senior Flag League and 9 on 9 flag football. Floor is yours, Martin Brown. Thank you. Um, so I started playing for the Fen Harriers in 1991. Um, and back then it was a junior two-touch league or in fact it was it was youth and this is what it confuses me even today that the youth and junior bit switched around at some point <laughs> and I and I'm I played youth which was one as I understood it was below senior and then the juniors were the ones below us but now I think I'm right in saying that somehow switched around so when I say yeah I've, yeah I've, I don't know how the it's like I don't still don't understand school years. I, I went to school and I was year one, one through five. When people say they're year seven, I'm like, well, what does that even mean? I said that doesn't even kind of compute in my mind anymore. But um, so yeah, so I started in the what was effectively the the under sixteens. I think it would have been um, started there with the in in ninety one, which was the second season that the Harriers had been been together, which was a team that was put together by uh, Diana Talon. Um, who was the uh, the manager of of the team? And effectively, she had two sons, Tom and Lawrence, who both wanted to to play. And at the time, Lawrence was a little bit too young, um, so she couldn't find a team for him to play for locally. So uh, started a team, as uh, as as you do, um, as you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there's not if there's not one available, then then that's uh, that's the only way to do it. And and at the time. The only way to find out about a team, because this is pre-internet and pre-social media and anything else, I um I used to get I used to get um Touchdown magazine and First Down, the uh, the paper. Yes, of course. And remember looking in the back of that to see, oh, where's the nearest team to me? And had a look, and <clears throat> the nearest team was was Cambridge from from where I was was living with my my parents and uh, my dad used to drive us up to uh, me and uh, a friend of mine, Neil Prothero, was also interested in playing. And we went up to the Fen Harriers. And in the first season, Neil was, he was a year younger than me. So he wasn't able to play in that first year. Um, and we were very fortunate because the, the Harriers went on to win the, the youth um, two-touch final at Saffron Lane, uh, the 92. And then, and it has been the same with Brit Ball, I think of all forms of the game, it's restructured, reshuffled, and everything else happens. And we don't have a, a competitive fixture until '94. So I think we played oh some. My gosh. So we played some friendlies, and there was a tournament I remember going down to in Burgess Hill. Uh, I think that was '94. We played '95. We had a, a season, uh, and then '96 we had uh, a championship-winning side, which was kind of. It almost felt like a college program where all the guys that came up, you know, Neil, myself, Lawrence, uh, Felix Smith, uh, you know, Paul Griffiths, there's a whole bunch of us that came up through it together. And we were all at the top of our age group, won the final. And then that was kind of we made the transition then uh, a couple of years later to because it changed from two touch to flag. I think that was a 94 to 95 season. It would have changed at that point, which um, it certainly made it a lot easier because officiating was that one hand, was that two hand, And, you know, it just the amount of arguments and things you'd get in two touch as to whether or not the guy tackled mm. him was that, you know, it just really made it difficult. And, and moving to flag was such a sensible move from the officiating point of view. 
I mean, it added yeah. a lot of kind of techniques when it came to evading the tackle and, you know, spin moves and things like that, that, that would all become part and parcel of the offensive game to try and, you know, avoid a tackler. Cause you didn't necessarily need to be out of arm's reach. You just need to make sure that they couldn't get, get your flag. So that, that, um, sort of changed the training and things we were doing at, at that time. And then 99, uh, I would have been at uh, university. Um, I was playing college football for the University of Hertfordshire. Um, and, yeah, that's when we decided that uh, we'd give a senior flag a go. And um, it was, I don't know if, if at that point it was, we had to do more round-robin tournaments, which was the only way really for the league to function because there just wasn't enough teams to be able to make it viable to have a home and away fixture and, and the amount of traveling. Cause you'd, yeah. you'd only have like eight teams in the whole country, which means, you know, it's just unreasonable for people from Brighton to be traveling to Sheffield for one game and then expect yeah. the return journey. And so, yeah, we, we kind of moved to this round Robin format to try and get, sort of three or four teams to a to one location and have a have a round robin and that's where where we started and and I think and I'm I'm sure Martin Gulliam will will sort of acknowledge as well that the Harriers are almost an inverse of the Eagles in that we grew from a youth program that then the youth program tailed off but then gave us an effective senior program you know and our senior team is good but then we kind of hit a ceiling and life yeah. gets it. Life gets in the way, and everything else. Whereas, as a senior team, the the injection of youth, the the, the on, you know, that the, their youth team coming on, and some of the outstanding players that came through that program into the senior team, tipped the balance to them for the sort of the early part of the two thousands. Yeah, yeah, Martin Gwilym, yes, yeah, a, 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 a perfect time for you to come in there uh, um, from, from the Leicester Eagles. Um, yeah, prior, you know, what was the, the, the I know the Eagles had quite a history before we actually played uh, in, the, in the ESFL. What was, what was the history prior to the first kind of uh, nine on nine game, Martin? Oh, hi, everyone. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. The, the club actually goes back to the mid eighties. Um, so like there was 10 years before we became a flag team, which is remarkable really. So we, uh, when I say we, the same group of guys essentially started in 85 was the very first um, sort of team that grew up and it was based around the Leicester Panthers supporters club. So the Leicester Panthers was um, a major British kitted American football team, a bit of a nearly team. They were always in and around mm-hmm. the sort of championships and so forth. It took them ages to win anything, but they were a top, top team. And they'd get, oh, I don't know, a couple of thousand people going down to Saffron Lane week in, week out, watching them. And they had a big supporters club. So the supporters club started its own team, which was played unkitted football, full contact, every Saturday morning on uh, Victoria Park in Leicester. So you'd get about 30 blokes um, smashing out of each other. And uh, (laughs) it was great fun. And I got involved, a friend of mine who was also into football, we watched it obviously on Channel 4. Um, We went down to Vicky Park one day just to chuck a ball around. Some bloke came over and said, do you realise every Saturday morning there's a game going on over there, don't you? Like, really? Okay. So the next morning we we nervously went along to this game and, and joined in. So that was the Panthers Supporters Club. Um, and we actually arranged games. We played the Nottingham Hood Supporters in the summer of 86. Um, and we played Leicester University. This is at a time when university football was um, full contact, but, but unkitted. Um, and we played them three times. And we won two and lost one. Um, so that's that's the roots of the uh, of the group of people that uh, that later went on to become the Eagles. So we we carried on like that for a few years. But most people that wanted to play contact football, obviously the unkitted game had, had nowhere to go. Really, people that really took football seriously um, went and joined the Leicester Panthers or Nottingham Hoods or whoever. Um, and that yeah. kind of left the rest of us who didn't want to get into kitted football. Um, 
a dwindling number. And so over the next 10 years, that, that number got down to like, we'd be playing, you know, three and four aside, uh, full contact sometimes, two touch sometimes. And out of nowhere, towards the end of 1996, I like Martin, I used to get first down um, newspaper as well every week. And in first down, uh, Baffa, the um, governing body for the sport, had decided they were going to introduce a flag league for adults. And that was nine on nine um, contact flag. And uh, we thought, absolutely fantastic. So we got our, we got all the old guys back together, some of whom had like played kitted and decided to come back and fancied a go at flag. Uh, we recruited some new people, but Andy was uh, uh, one of those people that had been playing a bit of kitted football and fancied a go at flag football. And um, and so that's how the Eagles was born. We called ourselves the Eagles because we were sponsored by a local sportswear company called Europa. So we needed a nickname that began with an E. And um, and that's what we did. So we, we started the... the um, with the intention of joining the flag league, there was only a handful of teams. There was ourselves, Peterborough, there's a team down in the West and a team in Birmingham. And so instead of getting behind it and supporting it and promoting it, which is what Baffa should have done, they um, they said, oh, there's not enough teams interested, we ain't got it. So um, Baffa knocked it on the head. So we said, right, okay, well, we'll contact these teams directly ourselves. And that's how we started to arrange our first few games. So we... We played Peterborough on a regular basis. I'll tell you a bit more about that in a bit when we talk about best moments. Um, certainly one of the worst moments was when the Eagles started. One of the teams we were supposed to play was a team down in Bedford. And um, we all, it was our very, very, very first game. So we all gathered on a Sunday morning, went down to Bedford um, to play the local team, the Bedford Cobras, I think it was. And um, only to find them playing a kitted game. And they said, uh, well, yeah, OK, we'll play you afterwards. And we thought, really? And sure enough, it didn't happen. So we got all the way down to Bedford, no game. We just had a chuck about, had a training session. It could have killed us stone dead. But happily, we got enough about as we carried on. We played Peterborough a few weeks later. And we just picked up ad hoc games, Birmingham, Southwest team, um, and and that's how the Eagles started as a nine on nine team. Um, my playing, yeah, yeah. My, that was so as a player. I in that team, I I, I played tight end. I was nearly forty years old um, when the league started. Believe it or not, um, and I I played at tight end, played D line, um, and we had some we had some great players. But it was quite a it was quite a senior senior team. There was I, mean, I was probably the oldest. Maybe not. There was a guy called Eric who was fairly old. Yes, a fairly fairly senior senior team in terms of age, and uh, and that's how we carried on. And I was, um, it fell to me really to be the the league organizer. And like Martin said, it's in the days before the internet and email, social media. Um, you know, I used to mail, used to write letters to potential teams and stick them in the post and and then phone people up and say, do you fancy joining the senior flag? And we really just had to work really, really hard to get any sort of league going. And um, and then as other people, other teams joined the league, um, individuals from other teams um, became interested in helping to run the league and gradually, gradually, um, you know, we started getting new teams in. Like Martin said, Fenn joined us in 99, was teams in Sheffield and um, Doncaster and, and so forth. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 how the Eagles started. And um, so, yeah, that's that's my first contribution. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And, uh, I mean, just uh, just for you listeners, if you Google or go into Wikipedia and... and, and find out what a letter is and how to write a letter the information is there just for those who you know who are post post email age um just that just some some references that martin the both of martin's there will uh you know you can see at, you know how, how long ago it was really and actually just martin um, on on that mention you mentioned about the the uh the leicester panthers that you were the supporters club yeah. they did have a half decent american quarterback at one point if i can't Yes, the, the Leicester Panthers, yeah, right? Yeah, the Panthers it had, was... had uh, Sean Payton, the uh, New Orleans Saints coach, head coach, as he now is. Yeah, Sean Payton came over yeah. from um, 
uh, I think from college football and played a season at the Panthers. Yeah, the top top had some really yeah. top players, and it was a really really high standard of football in those days as well. Am, yes, yeah, for sure. Am I right in thinking that uh, the England's rugby captain winning is uh, Martin Johnson? Was another another Martin, obviously. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, Martin can play this play play this game. He but, did. Um, yeah, um, he, he he also was there, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, I saw Martin Johnson play for the Panthers youth team um, in the in the nineties. Um, so they'd been about seventeen year old, and believe it or not, he was the punter. He was uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievably. I, th- I think, um, you, obviously, you both know Craig Broughton that played for the Eagles. Yes. I think, I'm pretty sure Craig yeah. played in the same team as Jono. And, um, right, okay, wow. Ba- wow. Barry Driver as well that played for us, the late Barry Driver, um, mm. played in the same team as Martin Johnson. So, uh, yeah. In fact, Barry, Barry Driver's first introduction to football was coming down to Vic- Victoria Park and playing full contact on kitted football, if you can imagine that. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. It was, it yes. was physical when Barry was there. <laughs> yes. I was just glad I was on his team. But even then, it didn't, make, it didn't always make a difference. But, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, moving on. So, so, Martin Brown, first, what was the first games like? Uh, is there any particular game that stands out? Um, uh, it, it, those are early, early games of 9-on-9 uh, with Fen Harriers. Well, I, I think probably the one... Or, or the most important aspect of those early games and all of the games, and I'm sure um, Martin will, will agree, is we couldn't get officials or official officials. Yeah. So we were virtually self-regulated in all of our games. And obviously, and I think it's probably fair to say that we were both blessed with teams that had good characters, good, strong characters, that kept a lid on maybe a couple of the ones that could be a little bit more chippy, that, that we were always able to have competitive, hard-fought games without, most of the time, an independent referee. You know, it'd just be an injured player or an assistant coach would have to run the line or do something like that in order for us to even be able to play the game. And, and I think that that's one of the things that, that I remember most about it is the fact that looking back now, with hindsight and thinking, can you imagine virtually any sport being able to be played competitively without any kind of, you know, arbitration or, or, or independent referees there? And I, you know, that's that's certainly something that, that that sticks with me still that we were able to play those games yeah. like that. Very yeah, much so. Such... Very much so. And yeah, and as, uh, I was going to say, and as as one who I was a uh, not. You know, obviously, Martin, the two Martins here were both kind of leaders of the teams and I was uh, was not. But I absolutely trusted, um, you know, in, in you, Martin Brown, as, an, a, a, as, you know, a feared, you know, a fearsome opponent. We, we you know, we, we, we they were highly contested, but I absolutely trusted you um, to kind of not take advantage of the situation or that. And so and I, and I think I think that was kind of across the board. You know, I think the strong lead, I think it is about, yeah, the strong leadership from from the both of you and uh, and Paddy and 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 the rest of the, you know, both the kind of the hierarchies in both teams, uh, you know, I can sort of say from a, sort of a bit lower down in the in the trenches, I absolutely had absolute trust in that, and because um, the potential for, well, the potential for you know serious serious injury is is high if that if that doesn't work, but you know, the credit to both of you and the rest of the leadership, I thought that was a that's the thing that always sticks with me is the. Um, uh, is is that is, is that kind of uh, sense of fair play? Um, what were you going to add there, Martin? I was Willem? just going to add that you're absolutely right. Um, and I've I've also seen games, and I've I've certainly heard of games, and even got correspondence here about games where it was the opposite of that, where you'd got people who were um, not uh, operating fairly and were making decisions in favours of teams. And the whole thing would descend into chaos very, very quickly. And I think you, you're both right. We were very blessed by having by having strong personalities. Uh, I think we, it also helped when we did move to, like Martin said, about the round robin format was good because the non-playing teams could referee the, you know, and obviously the standards of refereeing were were obviously variable across the teams. But at least with a round robin, you could have a you could have independence and, and so forth. In the very early games, we did actually get like Baffer 
um, or BAFRA, whatever the um, the organisation is, referees. So we had this guy called Phil Cottier, who was um, yes, yeah, is another guy sadly oh, God, no, yeah. no longer with us. Um, yeah. But Phil Phil came along to that game, that very first aborted game in Bedford. And um, yeah, I've been going through some old stuff over the last couple of weeks and quite a number of games where you can see some some bloke in a zebra top. <laughs> some of them, I'm not quite sure who they were. But, um, but um, there was obviously, in, in our case, in the Eagles case, we had Ken uh, Gambrell, who was um, yes, yeah. a Baffer official yeah. and uh, could help us out. But, you, but your fundamental point, Martin, you're absolutely right. Certainly the games, certainly as time went on where there was... Um, very few independent referees. It was a joy to play and uh, and be able to trust that the opposition and we're, we're going to be fair in the, in the refereeing of the games and knowing that we would be as well. So it was, it was absolute credit to both organisations. And I said, I, definitely, definitely. I think from and, and it was something that as as young men from the the youth team going through the Harriers that it was Diana's ethos was very much you lose well before you win poorly. And, and, and being sporting is so much more important than the numbers on the scoreboard. Because if you, you know, are ashamed at the result that you've just achieved, then that's not a good thing at all. Winning at all costs was not what, certainly what the Harriers were ever about. And, yeah. you know, that, and that, that really filtered down from, from Diana. And, you know, often the thought of, getting a, a stern look from from her was more than more than was needed for, 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 for most of us to, to to toe the line and 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 the sportsmanship was certainly something that even as youngsters it, you know in the in the youth game coming through that I'm, I'm sure that all of us would you know anyone that's come through the the harriers or have had any dealings with the harriers will appreciate that 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 still resonates with us 20, 30 years later than, you know, when we first started that, that, you know, if you can't lose well, then don't win well. You know, that's the, that's how you've got to be about these things. That's good. Yeah. yeah. An incredible woman. An incredible woman. Yeah, Diana yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, Martin, the, yeah, the, the, Martin Gwillam, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the first game for the Eagles. Um, yeah. The, well, obviously, the, well, probably the second, the second one yeah. maybe is the one you wanted to talk about. Obviously, the first one being null and void. The first game that actually took place was Peterborough. Um, we played them in Leicester at a local college, and Peterborough. You would probably know them, Martin, because they came out of youth youth uh, flag nine on nine flag, and so they were a top top youth side. But they'd obviously. Um, added some talent from uh, from the kitted game as well so they got really really strong side but the most important thing is they they've got three american um service uh, personnel from lake and heath air base so they got through three americans who were top top notch they got the quarterback uh, dexter they got wesley Bessix and a guy called rod and um they they were top 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 players and they came to leicester and absolutely um handed us they were they was, we, they demolished us they were super slick we were we were hopeless and uh, we got stuffed 40 points to six and um so that was our first experience and i can remember that you know in the, in the pub after the game, we were just shell-shocked, absolutely shell-shocked by how good they were and how poor we were. We were un- we were disorganised. Yeah, we've got a bit of talent. We've got, um, got a lad called Alex Marvin playing quarterback, who's a super, super player, played for the Panthers. Um, yeah, he was a real talent. And we got good players, but we just hadn't got the organisation and the um, and the playing nous, really. Um, but that that was our first experience. So after the abortive game, and then and then that one, you know, it's a fairly tough start. Suppose what the the most of our listeners today now will are, are steeped in five on five, and um, and will be aware of the NFL eleven by v eleven. Um, but obviously, um, nine on nine has um, you know you know uh, is is probably you know, it's probably quite a curiosity to to, to both sets of of, uh, of those codes now. Um, so I just wanted to, I mean, I mean, one of the things that struck me always was, was the differences that um, Leicester and Fenn took to defence. Um, so, so, you know, Martin, what we, Martin, <laughs> I keep forgetting to do this, 
Mr. Brown, if you could sort of just go through the um, the Fen Harriers defense and how it's set up and kind of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, especially the fronts, I suppose, I suppose the fronts are where the difference is in between the two yeah, teams. Yeah, so when you think of nine man, you're effectively, for the offense at least, removing the two tackles. So you can have virtually all, you've got the same number of receivers and running backs as you would in the 11 aside game but you just effectively have a three-man offensive line instead of a two-man offensive line. So it, it always made the most sense to us to directly replace the two offensive linemen. If they're losing those, you lose two defensive linemen. So we, we almost moved to a, like a 2-4-3 formation, but have our outside linebackers up to the line. So it's like a hybrid between a 4-2 and a and a, um, a, a two, four, depending on sort of down and distance and things. And you needed your, your outside linebacker was the halfway between being an outside linebacker and your defensive end. Cause they probably had to hold the edge, but you could get your numerical advantage by having your two defensive linemen occupy the three offensive linemen of the, the opposing team. And if you, if you could do that and manage that numbers game, then that allowed you to to then either drop into you know you could drop into a you know a cover three with the outside linebackers holding the the flats which was usually kind of what we did because um, back then it was when we played you know the, the games obviously moved on and what people watch on television now is different to what the game the NFL game was when you know when, the period we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. It was all two-back sets. It was all under centre. It was, you know, rarely were there three wide receivers lined up out there. It had been two wide receivers, two running. It was was very much that traditional old-school kind of sets that you would see in in formations. You know, I don't think we really used shotgun snaps or pistols or anything like that. That that really hadn't come to the, the fore in the period that we're talking about. So, and and it really depends on the, the team that you're playing against as well. You, you try and sort of have your defence geared up against the strengths of the other teams. And, and more often than not, teams were more of a threat with the, the run game than they were the pass game. So, you know, there's a lot more moving parts to having an effective passing game. You know, you need an offensive line to give the QB time. You need the QB to be able to be accurate to throw the ball. You need the receiver to run the right route, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot more... For the, for the offense to get right in order to get the passing game going. So it felt that most teams would stick to the basics and be better at running the ball than, than passing. So with that 2-4-4-2, that you were able to go to a cover three behind there or even a cover one if they've only got the two wide receivers and, 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 and the defense was able to, to manage it like that. And that, that's usually how we did. And we often had our, our best tacklers at middle linebacker. So what you would do is everyone else would look to occupy the blocks and then your middle linebackers would come and mop up. So often you didn't have, I mean, I know certainly with the Harriers, we had a couple of guys who weren't linebacker sized guys. They're really small guys, but really good tacklers. So what we would do is use everyone else to occupy the blocks. And then the smaller guy would come in because he didn't need to be big to make the tackle. He just needed to take a flag off someone. So that was often how we'd our defense was geared up to protect our good tacklers to keep the blockers off of them to allow them to go around and, and make the tackles. And I think I think the Eagles had it sort of recognised that you know what you're saying about the run heavy, um, and 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 the, you know um, that was probably the the main thing. And um, but although Mr. Gwillem, we did uh, the Eagles we did set up. Um, you know, quite, quite yeah, differently. Yeah, we did. In, we in did. It's really interesting listening to Martin talk it through because obviously played in in all of those games and remember because you, Martin, used to play at outside linebacker, left outside linebacker mostly, didn't you? And yeah, I can remember right, yeah. being, you know, playing right tackle. I can remember always having to key on you because you didn't always pass rush. Sometimes you drop back into coverage, and that, that was really unusual. We always had to keep an eye. So obviously, keep an eye on the guy that you're blocking, but be aware that Martin's on the outside and may be blitzing and may not be. So it was it was it was a good defense, and it was one that was difficult to read. Um, we we were we were quite 
different in that um, we had similar in that we had two interior linemen, but our two outside linebackers, if you want to call it that, or defensive ends, we, we would call them, would never drop into pass coverage. We, we, they, their primary thing was outside contain the, for the run and to get to the quarterback if it was a pass. So our key thing was, was like you call it, keeping the edge, keeping the, those guys doing the, the outside contain, cutting down any runs that came to the outside. Um, and also, like yourself, we it was key to us to have a middle linebacker that could tackle, which is why we played. James was our um, either our middle linebacker who would take the tight end or... He was our free-floating middle linebacker who would just flow and, and stuff the run. And obviously big enough to take care of himself as well, but was a, was a great flag taker, a great tackler. And then obviously we just number up. I, I could, did we ever play zone at 9 on 9, Andrew, in the secondary? I can't remember us playing zone. No, not really. Not really. I think, I think I suppose, you know, down, down and distance, the corners would drop into basically uh, they're uh, more like safeties so we um but very rarely to be honest even even then it was uh um you know it was very rare that we went into a, a cover three as such um i think often it was just play a hell of a lot softer if it was a you know a fourth and yeah. long um that um no i don't think because i think i suppose i suppose because uh, you know because of the reduced numbers we've played on a, an 11 a side field often but you know, we, we, you know, as Martin is saying, um, losing two people means you lose two people in the coverage as well uh, at some point. Um, so that's a lot of ground for the linebackers to cover. Um, and you know, you, you know, if you've got a, a nippy running back catching a ball at, at ten yards, and they've got a, they've got a lot of open space, then so I think um, I think we I think we very rarely went into a. a Absolutely. a real zone um it would often would still be would still be sort of a man-to-man even in a yeah. fourth and a bus ride good point, actually it's so, a big um, old big old field for nine aside isn't it there's a lot of space and if people are catching the ball people with speed are catching the ball in space then um you know there's plenty of room for them to run into so yeah that was that that, that was our basic yeah, defense and we were just so disciplined with it we've um and that was that was the key to it, really. The only other thing that we used to change up to occasionally was so if if a team went say four quick against us, they put four receivers out. We we'd probably go to a three man line and and you know obviously adjust the backfield to to account for the extra receiver. Um, but but really, they we didn't have a sophisticated defense at all. And we did we did in many many uh, years later when we were playing five on five. That's, but that's obviously a whole whole other discussion. But uh, no, and and neither side <laughs> defense was was very basic, very disciplined. And interesting as well, yeah. talking about you know obviously yeah. I, I played on, on the line both ways, but certainly playing on the offensive line against against the Harriers, Martin. That's we we used to we had our our blocking scheme was, it was you were talking about trying to get that your two guys trying to tie up our three. We would never let that happen. Yeah. Uh, we would never yeah. have three blocking two. We would always have two blocking two. And if that meant the spare lineman, the spare lineman was always available to block, like you if you were blitzing or, or you know, wherever the pressure was coming from, we'd always take one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. But then, but that, I suppose that, that's always the art of, of, of the offensive line versus the defensive line in that, you know, the defensive line... The offensive line, sorry, it's got the numerical advantage. So you want to be able to have that kind of tying up. If you've got a player that, that's getting that sort of penetration, that he needs a hand from another lineman. But I think we were very evenly matched there. So I, I don't think yeah, very we many occasions where we where we got that distinct advantage against Euro line, which was well established and obviously had the benefit of playing together and training together a lot. Yeah. So when when you're kind of playing that two four against a much more ad hoc offensive line, which is usually more likely what you're going to play against, it's That's like true. okay, you, you you're not skinny enough to play wide receiver to the line you go, and that's that was your line. Your, <laughs> your, your linemen, your linemen were like, you're just like, oh, you're not athletic enough to do anything else. Go there, and <laughs> and you were able to take advantage of that. I mean, I might be slightly being disingenuous to to some, but it's. But I think have it have. Ha, 
having an established <laughs> O-line like Leicester did was the exception, not the rule. That's true. And that's why I think we, we probably didn't have as much success with our two-man, you know, tying up the three as perhaps we did against a, a, lot, a lot of the other teams. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, you've both mentioned um, uh, a few few names and uh, and a couple a few incidents uh, from from that era. Uh, we'll start off with Martin Brown. Any any characters or particular incidents that uh, uh, that bring a smile to your face uh, well, on reminiscence? It's only hearing now. And, and it is a you know I think I still have have nightmares about him. But um, were you saying about the the outside linebacker defensive ends? But yeah. Rich Manning. Oh, I mean he. Rich Manning. I mean, God, yes. Certifiable lunatic, isn't he? I mean, he he he, 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 he he's a he's a genuine mad, a lovely bloke, and a, and just too good. We we literally had entire games where we'd sit there scratching our heads, going, "How many people can we get to try and block him?" Yeah, we we haven't got. We can only put nine men to try and block him. That's all we've got, and and still he would be making tackles. It's like, where did he come? From? This guy is just. And then, you know, he, he would just be in his own little world. I think he's in his own little world most of the time, but certainly when he's playing the game. He, he was... <laughs> <laughs> but another one that played so hard that, you know, he just was relentless, absolutely relentless. And, yeah, he's one of the guys that, you know, a, a few occasions I've been fortunate enough to play on the same side as him when, you know, we've had various things where the teams have, have collaborated and we've, we've done a few bits and pieces. But, yeah, playing against him was never much fun. I'm sure I'm sure Martin will attest that he was very, very glad that he had Rich on his side. Oh, you bet. You bet. He was an absolute star. Yeah. And, and, to, be, and to be fair, he practised the same way. And, and, you know, he was, you know, he's, he's still, he's still a great, great friend of mine and I uh, absolutely love him. But he, he was as relentless and as brutal in practice as he was. And, he, you know, he took no prisoners in practice. You know, he'd, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, maybe, maybe you, at least you only had it two or three <laughs> we, times a year. We often used to say well, that uh, <laughs> our, our practices were harder than some of the games we played in. That's, uh, no, that doesn't include oh. fan areas, I should <laughs> I should add, but that certainly, uh, certainly a lot of the games we played, practice was a great deal harder. And yeah, certainly, yeah, when, when Rich, Rich Manning's flying, yeah, sure, yes, I can well believe that. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Willem? Um, oh, blimey, there's, there's loads. I mean, virtually every team had had somebody that would that would make you laugh. I was thinking, it was obviously the we used to go to Dublin on a, and they would come to us get a basis. And they had some fantastic characters. You know, you'd, you would spend half the game with a smile on your face. Um, obviously, our friends at Fen Harriers had some had some characters as well. Always enjoyable to play against them. I, there was a couple of people who were a bit spiky. There's one lad I remember called Jason who was um, it was a bit of a handful. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, some great characters. I mean, we we had some. Uh, you know, Rich's Rich's brother Chris. Would uh, it would just keep everybody entertained? Yeah, just fabulous characters in the game. Yeah, definitely, for sure, for sure. And I was looking, I was looking at the kind of the uh, via Britball now. It's uh, not. Um, it's not a website that we're affiliated to, but it's a really good record of uh, of sort of. Um, the flag football history so I do recommend that but looking at those results it didn't again it wasn't something that kind of resonated with me at the time but you can see there's a there's a there's a there's an ascendancy so in the early days Fen were kind of on top for, for a lot of the time um, but then there came a point and you alluded to earlier uh, Martin Brown um, where the Eagles started to sort of uh, become the more the more dominant force in the game um, I mean, I mean, uh, what do you attribute that to, uh, Martin Gwillem, that kind of the, the changes, of, you know, in that? I, you know, I think the there's no question the it was down to the youth programme, um, the development. We, we were particularly fortunate in that we got a group, a group of lads who were exceptionally talented um, and uh, good mates and the right type of people. And um, and as they grew through, I mean, when they started playing flag, it was 
pretty much at youth level. I think there was probably one season where they were playing contact flag, and then after that, it was flag aside, non-contact. Um, but as they got older and, um, and and more physically able, then we would encourage them to take part in senior practice. So like when they were, dare I say, when they're probably 15, 16, they'd be, um, they'd be training with us. And so when they got to 16, or in some cases possibly a tad earlier, um, they were introduced into the senior team. And it, it just changed us as a club beyond all recognition, really. And, it, and because it was a conveyor belt, it wasn't just, you know, a handful of guys. It was, um, it was generation after generation. And um, it changed the team out of all recognition. It was, like I was saying earlier, it was very much a, an older senior group of players. And then having people who were actually fit and fast and young um, made, a, made a massive difference. And I particularly remember... Um, we went to Dublin in 2001 and absolutely got our asses handed to us. We, I think we lost 49-6 or something like that. And the, the guys at Drimner in Dublin that we used to play, rather like your side, Martin, really, they were younger, fitter, faster than us. And we just got absolutely hosed over there. And, um, and I remember coming back on the train and thinking, next year we'll have James Pimperton, James Hossack, John Pimperton, James Stratford, all those all those young, talented youth players, they're going to be old. And sure enough, when we went back 12 months later, I think we got a draw. And, and, and very much the same thing happened over there. You can see the same pattern in those results um, where as the younger players came through, we, we just became a different side. And, uh, like John, John became the, the team's quarterback and suddenly we got a deep, a deep passing game, whereas you know Chris Chris Wilde that played quarterback for us before, great guy, great player, and and could pass the ball really really well. But he didn't have the range that John had got. And suddenly, when John came into the team, and they got James, his brother at tight end, they got James Hossack at wide receiver. Suddenly, the whole field opens up, and um, so it was a it was a it was transformational for us. Yeah, and uh, Martin Brown, kind of uh, you, the other side of the ball, kind of seeing seeing this happening. What was it like when you saw these? I suppose, yeah, what, you know, when you saw these younger faces uh, turning up for the games, what was well, your initial thoughts on I, that? I think you you kind of like you're both pleased and and not pleased at the same time because you you kind of go, oh look, there's going to be a competitive game in years to come because we were seeing these guys turning up and. Maybe one or two of them were a year or two younger than maybe they needed to be to get on the field. But, you know, because we could play sensibly and and trust each other, that, you know, we, I'm sure both sides put guys out there that were maybe a, a day or two away from their 16th birthday. But, um, you know, it, it was, it, I, I still now think, well, blimey, I've played against guys like, because, the Eagles had Jeff Brown, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes, World Ball winner. World Ball winner. Who played, you know, in NFL Europe and won a World Bowl. So, you know, you you can see these these guys, and and it was at a time where the Harriers didn't have um, quite the same youth um, or junior programs coming through, and and in the main due to, to tragic circumstances, but you know, that it was, you know, it was good to see that, that we were going to be able to play against this equally. It was like, Oh, we're going to, we've still got to play, you know, this guy like Jeff, who was literally like a, a, a whip here. It's like, Oh, we're not going to, none of us going to be able to catch him. If, if, if he, if he gets to out, that's the end of that. You know, he, he was, you know, you, you had guys coming through like that, that, and yeah, you could definitely see, the dynamic shift. And I think if the, the older element of the Eagles hadn't have stayed, we probably would have been able to physically dominate the younger ones. And, and they weren't quite at that point of yeah. sort of physical maturity that, you know, the Harriers as we were, were, were grown men would have probably been able to be physical enough with them that, that we could have asserted a kind of dominance on there. But you, you had that blend of of the old guard and the new school yeah. to do both parts. So you had you had the you know the older, bigger guys who could stand their own and look after and protect 
the, the younger guys to do their thing, which was score loads of points and, you know, rack up loads of yards. That's the, you know, kind of how it worked. And, it, you know, at the time, it was probably very frustrating. But looking back on it now, you know, I've, I, I still can say I've probably tackled a, a guy that won a World Bowl. I've, you know, it, it can get, it, 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 I can chalk that up in, in some of the, uh, you know, I've, I've might have thrown a touchdown pass on him. It, you know, these sort of things that you think, well, actually, you know, I can, at the time you don't realise, but yeah, you could see that there were some really, really good players coming yeah. in there. So I, I don't know, I don't know who it was, but one of our, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if it was uh, at Fen or possibly at Bournemouth, but they christened us the Dads and Lads team. So it, was, it, it really yeah, was that yeah, generational yeah. thing. It was like the sort of children and their rather over enthusiastic fathers. It was, uh... <laughs> I do remember that. That David Chuckle was quite proud of that one, actually. Uh, I mean, we get coming towards the end of it now, but I, I suppose. Um, I suppose it'd be just interesting to see from both of you. Uh, we'll start with Martin Brown. What was what do you feel was kind of the the the, the best moment for the Harriers? Be it a game, a season, or, or even a, a single play? Is there anything that kind of uh, kind of uh, you know gets the uh, makes it makes you feel particularly proud yeah, of, the, of, of those times? And it's again, unfortunately, born out of uh, out of tragic circumstances. But but we were able to play the Eagles for a. Um, uh, the Diana Talon Memorial game and, you know, having both sides there to, you know, hold a minute's silence and, you know, wear black armbands and play a game, you know, for a club that, that she founded and to be able to, you know, put on a real display of all she'd have wanted was sportsmanship. And that's, you know, the numbers on the scoreboard wouldn't have mattered a jot. Um, and she, you know, it was really, really lovely that we could have got together for that game, you know, with the Eagles to be able to to do that, and and you know that that I think at the time you don't realise quite how much that means to you for for things like that, and but as you get older and and you know you look back on these these moments and and you think you know notionally you win a title, you win you know score some big points and all the rest of it, but do, do those games really matter that much? I, I, you know, I, I, I would I would take being able to play in that game again. And, and we lost to the Eagles in that game. And, you know, it was at the point where they were absolutely in the ascendancy, but it was played in the spirit of, of the game. And at the point where it was, it had to be played behind closed doors because the nine aside game had effectively been outlawed at that point, you know, there wouldn't have been any insurance and all these other bits and pieces. And I think if the league had found out that the game had gone ahead then anyone that played there would would have been struck off the list and and not been able to register for Baffer or whatever it was at the the time and you know all the kind of nonsense politics that was going on at the time it was just really you know special to us to be able to play in that game uh, and have that one yeah yeah I remember it well you've uh, I've, uh, you've made the hairs on the back of my neck stand there because I yeah, I think it was important to all of us as well. I, you know, we, we, you know, as the Eagles, as we were going down, it, we, the, yeah, the the uh, the poignancy of those moments, it was it wasn't wasn't lost on us, and it was uh, you know it was important to us, you know, we, to to honour her and honour honor you guys as well. Um, yeah, because you you wonder um, without her, you know, as you said you said at the top of the show, it, you know, where where would where would you where would where would Fen have been, and and therefore, you know, uh, where would the Eagles be with no opponents? And uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I I can absolutely co-sign that one. Um, Martin, um, any any what was the kind um, of the, well, the obviously big one like for, to just the Eagles? Add my um, few pennies worth to to what Martin's just said about Diana. She was she's a fantastic uh, positive spirit in the game, and it it was great to be able to to pay our due respects to her. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, I've got a couple, if you don't mind, of, of of great memories. One is the is the second game we ever played, which was after getting absolutely stuffed by Peterborough at home in that first game. Two weeks later, we went we went to Peterborough for the reverse fixture, and uh, and we actually managed to beat them thirty points to twenty four. It was a titanic game. It was the same they had the full team out, and uh, and we managed to turn them over, and that really gave us belief and everything else in in us as a playing group and our coaches and, and everything else. So that, that was just absolutely amazing. That really set us on our way. 
And to me, I think looking back over all these years and all the great games, that was probably the most remarkable performance. And uh, But the other one that was probably actually technically a better performance was 2002 um, League Finals. It was playoff at Coldham's Common in Cambridge. And there was four teams qualified for the day. We played Fen Harriers in the semi-final. Yeah. So we played two games in a day in, in at the height of summer. And playing Fen Harriers is never easy. And we managed to to beat them in the semi-final. And then we had to play Bournemouth in the final. And Bournemouth had drafted in some players that, let's put it this way, we'd never seen them before. They got some big old lads (laughs) on the line. There's some Russian guy, I remember. And um, they came at us gangbusters. They just just flew everything out. Um, And we coped with it and we beat them 45-20, I think it was. Um, That was was technically our best performance. We We were fantastic. So uh, they're, they're probably my favourite two, two memories, but so many happy memories going to Dublin. Um, but two daughters, and they both played for the Eagles. I'm really proud of that. Um, um, you know, we just had a club reunion. Really proud of that as well. So, uh, so many things to be happy about. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a word to the wise. Don't have your reunions upstairs again. So many people were getting stuck. So many bad shot <laughs> knees were getting struggling to thing. get up them down those stairs sure. that night. Um, <laughs> in our minds, yeah. I mean, hearing the game spoken about in the, in the bar that night, yeah, everyone still, still could apparently. But uh, yeah, the, those stairs uh, told a different story. Um, I guess I just want to close now. I mean, I mean, um, on what was effectively the close of the nine game um and actually i'm really interested to hear this bit because again i wasn't in the administration of that so uh, uh i was um a, a player uh, at that time but we moved from the nine 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 to five, the five and five game that we that everyone was probably more familiar with now and um there was also it, i mean for most of the time we were the esfl the english senior flag league and um, there was uh, uh, the it was Baffa was um, um, uh, in charge of the five. So um, yeah, just sort of talk us through those kind of the the end think, days of, um, uh, of, if, of the nine. If, if I may go, um, Martin's just chatting to, about this beforehand, and and hearing Martin talk about it now, it's I'd forgotten that all the all the nonsense that went on about that last nine on nine game. The fact that it was played in secret, just absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, by, by that point, there was only us and Trent Harriers left playing nine on nine. Um, I think we had, we'd actually started the five on five senior game at Leicester. Um, I think it was 2001. We held the first tournament because we were used to, we were used to the game. And, uh, because obviously we coached, coached our youth team and junior team and cadet team at five on five. So all the senior players knew the five on five game inside out. We got the strategies and the, and the tactics and everything, um, you know, we're all fairly familiar with. So we said, oh, let's have a go. It's a bit of fun. And um, so we did. So we, we started off, we had a, had a 14 tournaments in Leicester and that, and the five on five game kind of grew from there really. So it's probably all our fault. Uh, let me put that another way. It's probably all my fault. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the five on five game just just um, it grew. It never really took off. It certainly didn't take off. I always thought it should um, because it's so accessible. With you know five blokes in a the car, there's your team right there. It's, it's there's no reason why you shouldn't have loads of people playing. But in those days, it didn't really take off. It's great to see that it has now. Um, it's a good game. I mean, it's good. I enjoyed it. Like you know, uh, it's new lease of life, and you know, being able to to. Uh, to run around and not to to block people and catch a few balls occasionally. Uh, It's good fun. It's good fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, what about you, uh, you, Martin Brown? uh, What's your kind of uh, perspective? You've already touched on uh, some of the the elements, but what was your perspective of how it came about? I think I was probably more a stalwart of the the nine-man game. You know, obviously, you can't really be a traditionalist to something that, doesn't have any kind of history itself. It, you know, it's a variation that's been created from a, you know, an eleven-man game. So it's already a reduction from, you know, the the, the true game as it were. Yeah. But at the same time, and, I, and I've, we've been really trying to hard to think of the analogy for, you know, what nine-a-side was to um, to the five-a-side game. And I think the best one I can think of 
if you think that nine aside is snooker, five aside is <laughs> so. So, so it, it I get that. Yeah, it kind of is the same, but it's <laughs> not the same at all. And and you could be a very good pool player and be terrible at snooker, and you can be a very good snooker player and not particularly good at pool. And it doesn't necessarily transfer between the two. And if you're a bit of a traditionalist and you, you feel that snooker's your game, then it's a bit harder to bring yourself round to kind of looking at this, this what feels like almost like a watered down version. And especially when you've spent, you know, since you were 12 years old playing contact, you know, when, when we're saying flag, and, and it, this may be hard for people who have only ever played the five-a-side version, but we're talking about the full blocking. We're talking about, you know, this is, this is not, you know, the, the only difference was tackling was taking a flag or putting two hands on people. Everything else on the line was the same. The techniques were the same. You know, you were getting people yeah. running into each other yeah. at full pelt. You know, this is, you know, it's as, as much collision as you get easy in a rugby game, because obviously none of us were kitted. They made us wear lowers, I think, at, at some point in, which I've never quite understood the, the rationale for that. Where, but, it's losing that physicality and, and and it's only later that I think I've got an appreciation for the skills and what the five-a-side game and the accessibility and everything else um, provides to people. But it, it feels so far removed from what you see on, you know, the television. It's things like, you know, not only the blocking, but the, you know, being under pressure, being, you know, you know, virtually going to like a non-contact version of American football almost seems, you know, an oddity to me. That it's like, how can a game that's that physical transfer into something that's almost, you know, not physical at all? And it's it just a, it, it's it's taken me a long time to to kind of get my head round to to having an appreciation for the game. And I think that you know, I. I was resistant to, to that particular change. And, and maybe that's one of the sort of driving forces that meant we were able to have the, the nine man games with Leicester for the few years after, you know, we got maybe three or four extra games that we wouldn't have got otherwise, because if we'd have just acquiesced and, and gone along with the, the league that five man is the way forward and we're not going to ensure you to, to do anything else. It was, yeah, it was a, not an easy transition for me. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly say. Yeah, yeah, and and I, and I suppose that, I mean because really I suppose that you know Fen. I don't. Did Fen actually enter? Uh, did, it, did you enter one tournament? Maybe, maybe yeah. two. It was the fives. It was all kind of like virtually token gesture. We just wanted to play a bit of football, see what it's about, try it. But yeah. I don't think we ever went into it with the right mindset that you know let let let's no. <laughs> I remember no, turning up to those, we'll, you did not. We'll, we'll give this a go, but, you know, it, but it probably was also a case that at that point, a lot of us were also moving into our kitted careers. So it's like, well, um, yeah. how can I sort of, football for me is now in the kitted game and I've played university, I'm playing senior Brit ball and, and this is now what I'm focusing on to effectively what in your head feels like playing a game of catch, you know, which it, it, it was different. Yeah. And I, I, mm. so I think I'll put my hands up and say that we, we tried it, but it, it perhaps wasn't a, a wholehearted effort. No, and I get that. I, I totally get that. And I, I wasn't surprised because like you say, perhaps, it, you know, as Martin was saying, uh, we already had the fives game. And so we were uh, part of it and the strategies. And so it came easy to you. Whereas you, your team had grown out of the nines. Um, whereas actually by then, you know, almost the majority of our, our team had come out of the fives or I had certainly had a history with it. So it was it was a fast smoother transition for us um, in that sense. So, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I uh, 
yeah, I could certainly say. I do remember you turning up uh, to those games and, and you know, talking not just to yourself, but uh, the others. And I, I yeah, yeah, you, your heart wasn't in it in that sense. And I, I, I understood that. And I kind of wasn't surprised when I thought when we were moving to the fives, I thought that um, it wouldn't be uh, for, for you or your, your, your team. And, uh, um, and I think you know, that, that that bore out, but um, yeah, and, and I think also, but no, that was, other, that was interesting. Life gets in the way, it, you know, we were all getting to the age as well where yeah. we were scattering to the four corners of the world. I think at this point, you know, Neil was traveling the world, Neil Prother, you know, one of our sort of better players was off gallivanting around the world. We had a couple of players that had moved to America for work, you know, we were moving all over the country, so just the logistics of getting our guys together, not just a team, but it needed to be our guys for it to be, you know, because bottom line is you you play with your mates, don't you? That's the bit where, and I think, I think, you know, you had the benefit of you'd already done all your gallivanting and came back together again. (laughs) And we, 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 we were at that stage where we were, you know, all moving around and, and going to various parts of the country and jobs and, you know, girlfriends, wives, all that sort of things were, yeah. were pulling us in different directions. And it just fell at the wrong time for us. So a bunch of guys in their sort of early, mid-20s, it's it's kind of not perfect for because we're, you know, yeah, like I say, life, life just seemed to, to get in the way of getting us all together in the same place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, with the Eagles had a, a more um, uh, diverse age group as well. So the people at different stages of their life. And uh, um, so, yeah, it was easier to that. Whereas yeah, like you'd all grown up together. And so, yeah, you, at, that, at that time in life, it was quite kind of natural for those uh, uh, laying down more firm roots in, in the, in the grown up world, I guess. So, um, yeah, that, that was fascinating for me to hear, actually, because that, uh, that was something that was new to me. I think that's all we we've we need to talk about, gents. Is there anything we've missed or just, just with the, the the collaborative efforts? Yeah, go go go. We yeah. had our trip to Ireland oh, together yeah, yeah. as a yeah as you know the it was effectively the Eagles and the Harriers, and we went over there. You know, which again we went to Ireland to Dublin together for for like a long weekend, and it was pretty much the backbone of the of the Eagles, although probably less your youth contingent at that point yeah. because it probably wasn't the type probably wasn't the type of weekend that they could have fully enjoyed the same way that <laughs> it was probably that, slightly yeah. early for our youth <laughs> contingent because that was 2000 martin i think when we went to right, dublin oh, yeah right. so um so yeah it would have been just slightly early for our, our young guys so uh, right so yeah it yeah was, that, that, that was uh, Sorry. And you think that if it was 2000, then that, that was right in the, the middle of kind of our rivalry, as it were. You think that, you know, this, this is virtually on the kind mm. of tipping point between the kind of sort of balance of power shifting from the Harriers to the to the Eagles, that we were still able to, you know, almost put together kind of like an all-star team, yeah. you know, under the under the... The badge. I think there's a couple of other guys from. There's a couple of guys from Sheffield there as well. That's right. Yeah. But in the in the main, it was it was Harriers and Eagles, and you know we we went over there had a had a really really good fun time together, and and just being able to switch between being opponents a few games earlier to teammates, and then going out for drinks with each other, and then you know perhaps a few weeks later again we'll go back to being opponents and competitive against each other yeah. was a real kind of testament to how you know well both clubs were able to to kind of work together that's right i, I completely agree with that and we did um similar in scotland didn't we? So we we'd gone up to um dundee for a five on five tournament with our youth team and we entered a senior team in the five on five and i think you and nick were there maybe you joined up with sheffield that's or something right, yeah. And then we played Scotland yes, yeah, on the right. Sunday yeah. in in a nine on nine contact flag international. And we we got beat there as well. That's right. But uh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. I'm not yeah. not just saying this. But I remember <laughs> playing, you know, with you at quarterback and 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 just listening to somebody else call plays and you know, the different ways you, your terminology is different and you and and. Um, it was good fun. It was it was really really good and good to hang around with the uh, 
with the Harriers guys, all good good guys. Yeah, and it's certainly likewise from the you know the Harriers towards the Eagles. You know, we we had it, just a lot of respect for each other, didn't yeah. we? The, the, the fact that you know we we you, to to switch from being against each other to with each other and then back again seamlessly, it it felt like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's um, that's a great testament to both clubs. Yeah, yeah I agree. Thank you, Martin, and also thanks to Martin. I think we've covered enough of the game there to give the listener an insight. Just to remind you, scores from those early finals are available on the Britball Now website. Also, Martin Gwillem and Mick Smith are in the final stages of a very detailed history of the Leicester Eagles that will be available on the Eagles website very soon. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to check out our previous Jumpers for Pylons episode with the youth players from the first games of 5 and 5 back in the 90s. I'm Andrew Gambrell. Our editor today was Claire Allen. This has been a Jumpers for Pylons podcast for First and Fifteen.